it's your boy, and welcome to episode 31 of the podcast, This Is M, which you can subscribe to on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can connect with the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at ThisIsMPod. You can find the website at ThisIsMPod.com. Shoot us an email at ThisIsMPod at gmail.com. And, you know, you're smart. If you want to connect with the show, you will. Um, man... Your boy is just marinating. I'm just sitting here stewing in my own juices like you guys. Um, We've talked about becoming increasingly depressed. I've sort of plateaued um, as far as that goes. You know, this is not just a perpetual descent into darkness. But uh, I'm probably probably like you guys. I'm just sort of not knowing when things are going to resolve. When is life going to return to normal? I mean, we're over a month now. Sheltering in place, right? And uh, I just don't know what's going to happen. So I'm just sort of sitting here twiddling my thumbs. And um, yeah, need to be more active. That's for sure. I keep telling myself every week I will be. But um, And honestly, I think if uh, things had panned out a little differently for me this week, this would have been the week that I sort of got things going. But um, I had an exam on, I guess it was Friday, right? I guess it was last Friday. Oh, today is... Oh, you know what? Yeah, sorry. I'm recording this podcast a day late. So normally I record on Thursdays. Today's Friday. So a week ago today, I had an exam in chemistry. And I bombed it. I got a 28 out of 100. And we took it online. So the minute I submitted it, I got the score was presented to me right away. And when I saw it, it was like I got punched in the stomach. You know? Like, as I was taking it, and I, by the way, I got an A on the last exam. As I was taking it, I was like, oh man, this is every bit as difficult as the last exam. It was, it was certainly challenging. So, you know, if I had to bet as I was pressing submit, I would have said, well, I mean, there's a chance I got a C. I probably got a B. And if I got an A, well, that would be phenomenal as well. So when I saw 28 out of 100, I was fucking convinced there had to have been some sort of gross technical error. Um... And honestly, hand to God, I studied more for this exam than any test I've ever studied for in my life. And sure, it's chemistry. It's very information dense. And obviously, with the shelter in place, you know, we just haven't combed the material as much as we did before the first exam. Um, But yeah, it was just super challenging. And uh, I even messaged some other strong students in the class, and they did not well either. I think the highest grade on the exam was an 88. Um... So who knows? Thankfully, uh, you know, if we do well on the next next exam, he said he'd replace uh, our second exam score with the third one. So if I get an A, I might as well, it will be as if I had gotten an A on uh, this second exam also. But man, I was ready to drop the class, you know, because I was like, wow, if I have an F and not just like an F, not just like a... I mean, I think like 69 is a D, right? But that's essentially still failing, right? 28 out of 100. I mean, I, 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 you know, it was only 25 questions, but I, I pretty much got all of them wrong, right? Man. Yeah, I don't know. It was disappointing. It really took the wind out of my sails, you know? And my brother even reached out to me, I think after the last podcast episode aired, and I was probably talking about not running and, and not being active or whatever. And he texted me and was like, hey, man, you want like an accountability partner um, in terms of exercising? 
And I was just like, dude, I can't even think about it. You know, this week I really got to, um, and he, I actually, we haven't had a chance to speak. Maybe I'll call him after this, but I was just saying, I got to hunger down and focus on school for the next week. And, um, and by, I mean, by the way, math is a fucking nightmare right now. I literally have no idea what's going on, which is challenging. So, you know, I had bombed my chemistry test. I, I felt completely lost with math and I was just like, God damn, you know, I really got to get my shit together. And it's not like, you know, there are other people in the class who you can tell with the whole shelter in place just have not done anything. And, uh, I'm a pretty strong student typically, but, uh, for whatever reason, I don't know. I thought I was doing well. You know, I thought, um, I thought I was using my time wisely. I was keeping up with the homework. And like I said, I, st- I probably studied like 46 hours a day for this exam for the last week or the, for the week leading up to it. You know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, it did not pay off. But anyway, that shit's got to bore you guys, right? You guys want me to talk about art and life and give you some social commentary or more salacious or maybe salacious isn't the word, more sumptuous bits of my life and my experience. You guys don't really give a shit about my grades, do you? Um, you guys don't care about school. Yeah. It is, you know, it is hard though. It's like, I, (laughs) I was talking about it in therapy, but I was saying like, you know, in that moment I felt so defeated, you know, here I was like, you know, I'm not even enthused about school. And here I am dedicating so much time and effort to it. And to be fair, to date, it's completely paid off. You know, I got straight A's last semester. I normally freak out before tests and then I do well. We spent like, you know, I spent a bunch of episodes recently talking about, I was freaking out about my chemistry exam and my psychology exam and my math exam. And I got A's across the board. So as the exam was approaching, the most recent one, I was thinking, well, I'm freaking out now, but I I can't wait for, um, or I guess I took it Monday, actually. Anyway, it doesn't fucking matter. But as the exam was approaching, I was like, you know, I just can't wait for that day to be over. And then I can go about the rest of my week and feel better. Lo and behold, the exam goes exactly the opposite of what I wanted. And, but in a way, what my fears were sort of telling me was inevitable. So... I mean, it's just, it's horrible. You're literally sitting in, you know, things that have turned out exactly the way you didn't want them to. And I was saying it was like my creative career. Like, you know, having a creative career was something I really wanted and I gave, you know, a decade of my life to and it just didn't work out, you know. And as I was thinking about needing to doing needing to do something else with my life and, you know, getting a job and going back to school, I was so resentful and hurt and disappointed in myself. And, um, you know, that was a hard transition. And then here I was in the middle of school, giving all my energy to, you know, let's say it's this chemistry exam, studying four to six hours a day for a week. You know, I mean, not that it really matters. I mean, at the end of the day, it just matters how well you did. But I, I would be surprised if anyone else in the class studied, you know, put as many hours into studying as I did. Maybe they did. I don't know. And I still get a 28 out of 100. It just made me feel like, why do I even fucking bother? You know, and knowing at the same time that I'm completely fucking lost in math class. And it made me think, well, why would I even bother? I'm going to put all this effort into understanding math, trigonometry. I don't even give a fuck about. And then what? So I really spent most of the last week feeling, feeling pretty defeated. And, uh, 
and kind of incompetent, you know, because, you know, do I really give a shit about chemistry? No. But I also feel that I'm pretty smart. And even though it's not a subject I'm interested in, if I spend my, you know, it's not going to be beyond me. It may be challenging, but if I wanted to try to understand it, I shouldn't be, I shouldn't not be able to get it. Do you know what I mean? Um, if I read the book and I study, I have as much a chance of understanding it as anybody else. Do you know? And, you know, to just miss the mark so much on the exam, it was just really defeating. And, uh, yeah. So anyway, am I out of the woods yet? No. I mean, I still have to do well. Um, I still have to do well on the next exam if I want to have this score replaced. But I was seriously considering dropping the class, you know, because, you know, I'm trying to apply to um, a really good school when I transfer. And um, I essentially need straight A's. And if it was like, if I wasn't able to wipe out the F, I was like, damn, I might as well just withdraw from the class, you know, because if I, if I can't get an A in the class and dude, oh my God, dude, you're not even going to fucking believe this. Guess what? (sighs) I'm so disappointed in adults. And I know that this is life and I know life's not fair. And ultimately, you know, it's my responsibility to, to really figure this stuff out. But I've seen three different counselors at my school to try to get my schedule right. And every time I see a different counselor, they say, hey, why aren't you in this class? Or, hey, you need to take this course. And it's like, why does nobody know what the fuck I'm supposed to be taking and what the fuck is going on? You know, and I'm talking to this counselor, I'm talking to the transfer counselor, and and nobody knows what the fuck's going on. Everyone's telling me something different about the courses I need to take and what the requirements are, et cetera, et cetera. And I finally talked to this transfer counselor at the school that I actually want to attend. And they're telling me, oh, yeah, this thing that you're working toward is actually not a requirement anymore, this this specific biology class. And I was like, oh, because I was like, oh, I'm taking chemistry. And they're like, why are you taking chemistry? I was like, well, I don't know. And she says, oh, probably because as a prerequisite for this biology class that you don't need anymore. So I'm like, you tell me I don't need chemistry anymore? And they're like, no. So not only uh, not only have uh, last semester and this semester, the, the one class I've given the majority of my energy toward, I don't even fucking need it. Do you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah. So anyway, I was poised to drop the class. Um, but look, if I can get my score replaced, if I do well, if I just do my best for the rest of the semester, I should be able to bounce back. So... Um, rather than drop the class, I'm going to bet on myself. I'm going to assume that this was a fluke. It certainly feels like it. And, uh, I'm just going to keep marching forward. You know what I mean? (sighs) Anyway, again, as I'm talking about it, I'm thinking, why the fuck do you guys care? You know, why the hell would you guys be interested or entertained in hearing about my school experience? I don't know. Maybe you are. I know most of the people who listen to this podcast are pretty goddamn smart. So even if the specific subject itself isn't relevant to your own life. You know, even if you're not in school, I'm sure there are points of contact between my story and and what you're going through. Hmm. But yeah, it's hard. I don't know why it's been, it's been challenging for me to, I don't know. I feel like, especially since the whole shelter in place thing, I really had to kind of advocate for myself in a way that I, that I'm probably not used to normally. Um, meaning I guess, you know, I'm, I'm an older student now, 
you know, I think they call it like a re-entry student, but basically, you know, a long time has passed since I was in school. But I just think with the whole confusion with the counselors and, you know, trying to bounce back from your grades, it's like it takes a certain resiliency. And I'm not talking like super, superheroism. I'm just talking about a certain, maybe even a basic amount of resiliency or, I don't know the word for it, but, um, it's just something that I know that if I was in my early 20s, I would not have the energy to deal with it. Do you know what I mean? And I also see people in my classes who I feel like ostensibly don't have the energy to deal with those types of things. Like, I I, I know it's like, who the fuck are you to say that about other people? But haven't, haven't you guys had periods in your life where you know shit's fucked up and you know it's a mess, but you don't even have the energy to deal with it? I mean, I know I have, and I certainly know that's true about other people. I mean, I've had times in my life where I couldn't, if my life depended on it, I don't know if I could get to the bank before it closed. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you know it's fucked up. I mean, I- even school specifically. Like, you're like, oh, damn, I have to do that homework assignment. And you're just watching the clock go by, and you're like, man, I really need to start it now. And then you start fucking bartering with yourself. You're like, well, I won't work on it now, but I'll start at like 10 p.m., and I'll just stay up all night and work on it. And you're like motherfucker, you can't even muster the energy to, to do it now. What makes you think that you're going to summon the strength to pull an all-nighter, you know? And 10 o'clock rolls around, you look at it for 45 minutes, and then you say, well, I'll, I'll go to bed now, but I'll wake up at 3 in the morning, and then I'll work on it. You know what I'm saying? And maybe you wake up like an hour before you're supposed to. And, like, and then it's time to turn it in, it's a fucking nightmare. And you're like, well, really, what did I expect? You know, I did this to myself. It's like I, I literally saw myself doing the thing I didn't want to do. And I'm I'm now living with the consequences, do you know? And I think because I lived with that for so long, and I, that felt like that was such a big part of my life, that even now, when things don't go the way that I want them to, I assume I brought this, I brought it on myself. You know, if, my, if I don't have a creative career, it's because I didn't do the thing I was supposed to be doing. And lo and behold this is the life that I always, this life of disappointment or disappointing myself or not getting what I want is something that I just bring up. I I just, I just do it to myself, do you know? And it's hard. I mean, that's why you pay a therapist to fucking remind you of all the stuff you're doing. But, um, yeah, I just, I struggle with it. I struggle with it all the time. I feel like I used to, when I first started performing and doing open mics, it's like, you know, I would show up and I'd be so scared to perform. It's like they would call my name and like for the first, I don't even know, three or four times, I wouldn't even get on stage. I wouldn't even stand up to play. Do you know what I mean? Like nobody knew who I was. It wasn't like, you know, I I literally had never, I hadn't gotten on stage in years. You know, I was in a new area. Nobody knew who I was. So they call my name. I just don't get up and they just move on to the next person or I leave. You know what I mean? Like, before they even call my name, it's like I, you know, I'm like 18th on the list or something, and by the time they get to number 10, it's like I decide I can't take it anymore, and I and I leave, and I bail. And it's like, as I'm walking out the door, I know that I'm going to regret it. Like, once I leave and I get back home, sure, I will have spared myself this scary experience, but I know I'm going to regret it, and I'm just going to beat myself up for it. I'm going to beat myself up for it. 
And it's like, it doesn't even matter. It's like, I literally see myself going through the motions and at every step I'm saying, stop, turn around, you will regret this. And, and yet I, I just do it. It's like, a, if you stretch out that moment of like, you're getting out of your car. Oh, and by the way, I fucking smashed my finger in the car door. It looks like a fucking nightmare. I thought I broke my finger instantly, but uh, it just looks atrocious. It's like black and blue and red, but um, it, it's like a stretched out moment of like, if you get out of the car and like, let's say your keys are on your driver's seat for whatever reason. And as you're close, you're closing the door. And as that, as, just the minute your muscles go to push the door, you know, um, oh shit, my keys are on the seat. I need to not do what I'm about to do, but it's like, it's too late. Do you know what I mean? The decision's already been made. Like the neurons have already fired, your muscles have already sprung into action. And even though intellectually, you know, you know, I don't know if it's like speed of light versus speed of sound kind of ratio where like your thoughts move faster than your physical actions or whatever, but it's like your hands, you are physically closing the door, you see the keys on your seat and you're saying, oh, I need to stop this now or else my keys are going to be locked in the car, but there's nothing you can do. You know, it's like falling in slow motion and you're just like, oh shit, well, I can't, I can do nothing to stop this. This is, you know, and I'll just have to live with the consequences. It's like in that moment, you already can picture yourself calling the locksmith, having the fucking shit popped or, you know what I mean? Anyway, I'm just talking about that experience of seeing something happen and going, yep, there's nothing I can do to stop this. I'll just have to live with the consequences. Do you know what I mean? And uh, I feel like that's life for some people, you know? And I just hope like, you know, because I'm relatively young, you know, I'm probably older than a lot of people listening to this podcast, but, uh, in terms of life, I'm, I'm relatively young. <sighs> you know, I just hope it means something that I think about this now. You know, I think one of the saddest things is I, there's so many things that I was like torturing myself about in like my early twenties. You know, I thought I had these like Shakespearean fatal flaws that if I didn't fix my life was going to be a failure, you know? And so I like, I just like, tortured myself like trying to get to therapy or like fix myself or I was like trying to fix myself in time to save my to save my life do you know what I mean and it's like I mean on the one hand I know I shouldn't be so judgmental but there is a part of me that's like when I see especially older men who just live these sort of like sad lives you know these sort of sad lonely lives they just live and they're filled with regret I just feel like, oh, Jesus Christ, like, how did it come to this? I mean, it's one thing to have the sort of shared experience that a lot of people do is like, damn, my 20s were a fucking mess, but damn, my 30s are pretty cool. Um, That's something that is difficult to live through, but it's also you get older and you and you say, oh, I guess a lot of people went through that. I guess that makes sense. It's a part of growing up and learning and, and, um, coming to know yourself and, you know, forging parts of your identity, et cetera. But to just have that protracted throughout your entire life, you know, to look up at 60 and be struggling with the same things, not just struggling. I mean, I think there are certain things that live, that we carry with us our whole lives, you know, and that shape, you know, our experience throughout our lives. Absolutely. But to, 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 to still have not surmounted the same obstacles, I mean, that just seems like a nightmare. But again, I go back to this idea and for some reason, I feel like it's, it's more tangible to talk about in terms of like creative, like, um, uh, career success. 
you know, like one of the hardest parts, especially like someone like myself who, um, I don't, I don't want to say your life isn't turning out the way you wanted it to, but it certainly is not turning out the way that you had hoped. And, um, there's this whole other level of like, on the one hand feeling like, oh, that's probably a good thing (laughs) in the long run. But I'm just talking about that, you know, there's that sort of psycho spiritual transition that has to happen where you sort of accept your fate and like move on. But for people who just sort of their dreams come true or they set out on a goal and get everything they want, it's very easy for them to look back and give prescriptive prescriptive advice to people who ostensibly want to do the same thing. And um, on one level, that's exactly what you want to some degree. I mean, if you're just starting out in a field, the first thing you should do is find the people who've had success in those areas and ask them, you know, well, one, you know, try to get some mentors and and try to ingratiate yourself with them, but see what they did and try to mimic that. But, you know, I, and on the one hand, I feel like I'm like trying to recuse myself of responsibility, but it's like, when I hear, when I hear other people say it, I kind of scoff at it, but this idea that successful people are lucky Like, on the one hand, I kind of resent that, you know, because I think most people who are successful work their fucking ass off. But I always come back to this idea that hard work is a, it's certainly, it's a necessary component for success, but it's an insufficient component for success. And it's not like luck was, you know, it's not, it's not that people owe their success just to luck. But there are certain things that happen that oftentimes we don't have control over that affect our lives. And for some reason, when I talk about this, I always think of like comedians, you know, because, you know, I, I, you know, I listen to the Joe Rogan podcast. There's comedians like Tom Segura, Chris D'Elia. You know, I, I fuck with all those guys. You know what I'm saying? I listen to all of those podcasts. And I forget who it was, but Tom Segura was having this conversation with somebody and they were mentioning something about luck in their career that they thought they were, you know, exceptionally lucky as a, in their creative career. And I think Tom Segura said that he actually resents that comment, like, um, he doesn't think luck plays a component at all. It's all about hard work. And on the one hand, that makes perfect sense to me. One, you only live your life, so you have no basis of comparison. So Tom Segura knows he works his he worked his ass off, which he absolutely did, and therefore he's successful. So he draws that conclusion. And because he probably is surrounded by other, you know, first of all, it's hard to really tease this out because when you're aspiring excuse me, trying to, I'm trying to stifle burps here, but when you're, when you aspire in a creative career, everyone thinks they're going to make it, you know, like everybody thinks that they have something that sets them apart and that makes them, them special. Um, you have to believe that if you're, if you're going to do it in earnest, you just, that, that you do, that's just something that you have to believe. Otherwise you would never do it. If you genuinely thought it was a crapshoot, you would never do it. You would just never start out on that thing there is just a conceit of everybody who truly aspires to be successful in the, in a, in a creative field that they have what it takes. They may not have it in that moment, but they know that they have the potential, you know, they know in time they'll find their voice. They'll develop the body of work that they need. They'll, they'll rise to the occasion. They'll meet the right people. They'll make their, et cetera, et cetera. And as you're coming up, you look to your left and your right and you see people who have, they, who to you seem to have fatal flaws. You know, I was talking about this a moment ago, but they seem to have the types of fatal flaws that, you know, um, 
is it preclude or exclude them from, from being successful? You go, Oh, that person's not going to make it because, um, they have a horrible business acumen. Do you know what I mean? Or, uh, they have a horrible attitude, you know, and nobody likes them, you know, or they're lazy or, you know, they're not that talented. Um, they have a substance abuse problem. Like you can, you can look at the cast of characters around you and just say, Oh, that's going to inhibit that person from being successful. And I don't know. I go back to this example. There's two, one I've talked about from Horace, um, um, the Latin satirist, and he has that thing. He says he goes through life and he looks at people's um, behavior and he sort of just takes note. You know, he's always looking at people and saying, oh, I I wish I, oh, I should do more of that. That's a good thing. Or, oh, wow, that person did a bad thing. I hope when I'm in a similar situation, I, um, you know, I don't, uh, I don't do the same thing. And I think of this scene in a movie called Igby Goes Down. Um and of course, I can't think of the goddamn actor's name. But there's this actor who's he's supposed to be the heavy, the villain type. And he says this line that's supposed to be indicative of what an asshole he is. He says, I believe that other people serve as signposts for the rest of us on what not to do. You know, and he, and he says it very sort of like he's twirling his fucking mustache, like he's supposed to be a villain. But when I hear, heard that, I was like, isn't that just called learning from other people's mistakes? Like, why is that a bad thing? Um, but that's the mentality you take sometimes when you're starting out probably with anything, but, um, especially with a creative career, you know, you just have your head on a swivel, like looking at what are people doing wrong and how can I set myself apart? And so I think it's easy for someone like Tom Segura to say, Oh, well, of course, A, B and C person wasn't successful. I could have fucking called that from day one, you know? And sometimes we do meet people who it seems like success for them is inevitable. And then when they are successful, we think, Oh, well, there you fucking go. Well, of course it happened for that person. But I think sometimes we have blind spots on because for, for as many people who I think, oh, that person was very successful or that person was not successful, of course not. You also have a lot of, well, whatever happened to that person? You know? Why wasn't that person more successful? And sometimes it's tragic things. Like how much, con- like I think <laughs> I'm trying to tie this into sort of what's going on now, but it's like the whole shelter in place. It's like, how much control do you really have over your life? You know, and I'm not pretending like someone like Tom Segura would ever argue that, you know, yeah, life happens to people. Um, if you're run over by a truck, that's going <laughs> to, you know, that's going to stop your creative career in, in its tracks. It's going to stop your life in its tracks probably. But I just mean, yeah, horrible things happen to people that level that level them, that keep them from being successful. But I'm not even talking about the big stuff. I'm talking about the small stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like, for the same reason the guy who's struggling with the same thing in his 60s that maybe I, you know, quote, surmounted in my early 30s or something, it's a whole confluence of factors that this person has no control over that have to do with abstract ideas like resiliency, um, uh, critical thinking capacity, um, being self-reflective, you know, the level of trauma that happened to them when they were a child. I mean, people have no control over these things. And I'm not saying that people aren't responsible for them to some degree. Do you know what I mean? Like, I try to be more mindful when I communicate with people to distinguish between responsibility and fault. You know, like the things that happen to you are not your fault. Of course you had no control over the fact that your uncle molested you when you were a child or your father ritualistically abused you, do you know, or that you caught some, you know, you have muscular dystrophy or you have a, 
um, you had a traumatic brain injury when you were uh, when you were in your twenties. You know what I mean? But I th- I think what people like Tom Segura and others are talking about is this idea, which I, I I happen to believe in also, which is it's not your what happens to you is not your fault, but it is your responsibility how you deal with it. You know, it is your responsibility. The the consequences that follow from that, you know, it's your responsibility. And it doesn't mean that you should be blamed if you don't accomplish certain things. But it just, it, it's just is the fact that you're going to be the one who has to do something about it. Do you know what I mean? It follows, though, that whatever you are able to do, however much responsibility you're, you're, you have the capacity to take up, is kind of based on factors that you don't have a lot of control over. Again, resiliency, um, all sorts of things. And, you know, it's just, it gets so abstract so quickly, it's hard to even know what we're talking about anymore. But it's like, I mean, you know your boy's not religious, but you do feel blessed, you know? As I've gone through my life, I just feel blessed that I have the intellect that I do. Like, I'm a pretty smart guy. And I have chapters in my life where I, I feel fucking embarrassed on how incompetent I was, how many mistakes I made, how many years I lost, um, how confused I was, et cetera, et cetera. But through all of that, you know, there was... You know, sometimes I feel like going through my life was like, I had like a candle that I was like shielding, you know, and, and it's like, you know, when you're walking with like a birthday cake and the wind kind of buffets, is that the word? The candles and they kind of blow out and you kind of stop for a moment and you kind of block them or whatever. And, you know, it just, there's too many factors, you know, sometimes a candle goes out, but it's like, that has been my life. You know, I've had these things that I valued that I thought were important that I wanted to nurture and take care of, but I felt like life was so hard so many times that I was like, you know, I was worried to just, it, you know, I was going to get snuffed out, so to speak. Um, anyway, dude, I think one thing we've talked about in the past that hasn't come up in a long time is this sort of like matrix brain. Like even as I'm talking about this, I feel like the threads of my thinking are beginning to unravel. You know, I think part of it is we're talking about abstract things, but there's also something about this that is, it's challenging to, for me to let my mind think about, you know, like, I think it was even the last episode I was talking about, you know, you, everybody has this sort of record playing in their head. The needle is like firmly set in this one groove that people sort of go through their life. You know, they hear the record playing the same tune over and over again. And there are certain areas of thinking, and I think this is one of them that I, I don't think about all the time that I try to entertain, but it's like when I step far enough into it, it's like I lose my footing and I kind of lose my compass direction. And all of a sudden I look up and I'm like, I don't really know where I am. And, and it's like, I kind of like, I just get lost. Do you know? I feel like I've meandered into some area of thinking that I just don't really know the terrain, but I'm trying to figure it out. You know, I always use the example of like feeling your way forward in the dark. You know, like that's how I feel when I'm talking about this. But, uh, yeah, I think, I don't know. I'm trying to be succinct here, but I think, you know, what happens to you isn't your fault, but ultimately your life is your responsibility. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm trying to say I both believe that 
you know, there's plenty of people I know and even can still name and think of who I think, oh, of course that person wasn't successful. And they, if they, if they had done X, Y, and Z, they probably would have been more successful. The hard part is when you try to apply that standard of measurement to yourself and you think, damn, dude, I feel like I did as much as I could. Now, here's the other thing. Of course I could have done more. You know, I mean, in hindsight, you think, well, yeah, I could have moved to Los Angeles. I could have done this. I could have done that. But then I go back to the idea of like, well, what kinds of things are dictating our life that we just have no control over? Do you know? There's always this, I don't know if it's a platitude or a cliche, but you say like when someone wants something, they'll do whatever it takes. What if you're not the type of person who will do whatever it takes? Like someone like Lance Armstrong, to use an extreme example, that dude wanted to win the Tour de France. That dude wanted to be the number one cyclist in the world. Now, that means something very different to different cyclists. You know, one could argue that for Lance Armstrong, being number one wasn't necessarily the sum of simply being the best, the natural best athlete. For him, it meant standing on the podium at number one and whatever it was going to take to do that, even if it meant cheating, was what it, that was what it took. Do you know what I mean? So how many talented female artists, for example, you know, they may reach a certain time in their career where they've gotten to, on talent or whatever, and then they're, they, they hit an impediment, which could be um, a record executive, record executive, booking agent, whatever, who says, hey, if you want to move forward, you have to fucking give me some sex. You know, is that person supposed to do whatever it takes? No. People have principles, you know? And I'm not pretending like all the impediments to success are these types of like moral virtue questions, you know what I mean? But I think you can kind of paint a similar terrain with all sorts of things. You know, what if moving down to Los Angeles was the key to my success? Okay, well, I'm lucky that I probably, I could have done that, absolutely, if I wanted to. But there's all sorts of people who that's, n- that's not an option. Do you know what I mean? I think for me, I, and especially in the San Francisco Bay Area, one of the things that seems to be observably true to me that never gets discussed, and this is going to, well, I'll qualify it in a second, I'll just say it first, but... I think the overwhelmingly vast majority of the people I know who continue to pursue a creative career who are past their late 20s come from privilege. And not just the type of like, oh, I'm a white male privilege that people sort of bandy about. I mean, they come from, I would say, marked privilege. They come from relatively well-off families. And I think part of it is there's a psychological, you know, if you come from nothing... If you come from no prospects and you're the type of person who, I mean, it takes a certain type of, I don't know if you want to call it business acumen, I don't know what you want to call it, but there's a certain type of constitution where, um, you know, if you have that sort of, if what you want to do is make money, you're, you're not going to go into a creative career. You're going to apply those things to something else. So, you know, if you you know, if you want to be successful, you're going to just, and you need to make money and there's no other options for you, you're going to do something else. You're going to go to school. You're going to get an education. You're going to, you know, let the amount of money you make decide your career, et cetera, et cetera. Choosing to pursue a creative career well past the point that it's economically feasible is something that I think is, uh, it's a privilege of economic wealth. Do you know what I mean? It's this, whether it's articulated or not, there's this sense, impression explicit or just implied that if this doesn't work out, there's something else for me. 
Do you know what I mean? Because the economic reality of like being in your early 30s and having to go back to school, I don't think that's a decision that most people would make if they really were staring down the barrel of it at in their 20s. Do you know what I mean? And I'm speaking from experience, you know, as someone who comes from a, you know, an affluent family who, you know, if push came to shove, I could go to my family for money and, and ask for them to help support me. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, you know, there's this intrinsic sense that there's always, there's, there's, you, you know, you're not, you're not going to live on the street. Do you know what I mean? But for people who have none of that, it's just the idea of being a professional musician or something is just a fucking fairy tale. And the qualification I was going to make is, of course, there are people who are do not come from privilege, who pursue creative careers and are either successful or not. But I think those people are rarer than than people realize, because unfortunately, a lot of the people who aspire to creative careers pretend to be poor. And, you know, it's not that you know, I'm, I'm not pretending that they all have trust funds and that they're all getting money from the parents. They may support themselves through music. But getting to know these people, seeing where they come from, hearing about their pasts. You know, a lot of these people went to great schools. Do you know what I mean? You know, they may be singer-songwriters now, but they studied, they studied classical, classical voice at fucking um, some private Ivy League school. Do you know what I mean? Um and they sort of present themselves as these as these sort of like bohemian troubadours but you know if push came to shove they have a family to return to who could support them if they really needed it anyway that's my that's my very personal from my very personal experience that seems to be true now again the qualification obviously is i also know tons of people who don't come from those backgrounds who still pursue a creative career they work their ass off um but, um, yeah, what am I trying to say? I don't know. Oy, oy, oy. Man, I'm looking at the time here. I mean, we've been talking for seriously like 35 fucking minutes, and it's just like, I feel like the whole time this one, I've just been like, blah, 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 blah. Oh, I have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about or where I'm going. Oh, Jesus Christ. I mean, is it too reductionistic or cliche to say, like, you know, you're basically dealt not even a hand. You're dealt a deck of cards, you know, and some people are missing the jokers and some people have two ace of diamonds, you know, and some people, you know, they still have the fucking rule cards in there. You know, like that rule card on how to play fucking bridge or rummy or something that everyone just throws away. Your cards are bent or you don't have a full deck or whatever the fuck it is. And it's just like, you know, and it's not just money. You know, I mean, there are people who come from a lot of money who are failures. There are people who come from nothing and are successful. I'm talking about those abstract qualities like resilient, uh, resiliency, critical thinking, um, problem solving, um, uh, social and business acumen, the ability to read people and navigate social situations, you know, emotional intelligence, um, Yeah, and, and and luck, you know, luck is just going to be a part of it. I mean, who in hindsight doesn't look at their life and think, wow, I, you know, if, if X, Y, and Z hadn't happened, like, 
I don't know, like what do they call it? The butterfly effect, the butterfly effect. If you just change one thing, the course of your life changes. I mean, there's just no denying these small decisions have just sometimes had a huge, um, profound effect on your life. It's sort of weird, though. I mean, you can both comfort yourself with that idea. You know, as someone who didn't have a... And again, I realize, as someone who has not had a successful creative career, um, it's easy for this to sound like uh, sour grapes. So you can both comfort yourself with this. I I realize when successful people like Tom Skura say that luck, they sort of resent that. You know, and it's something that losers tell themselves to make themselves feel better. I, I fucking feel that. You know what I mean? But when I think about it dispassionately, I mean, I even think about meeting my girlfriend who I've been dating for four years now. It's like, you know, at that time I was like drinking and going to bars and like trying to meet people and talking to people all the time. And I was on my way home and like my quote, better senses were telling me, Hey man, just skip the bar, go home. But I sort of succumbed to like wanting to go out and get a drink and maybe I'll talk to someone or something. And that was the night I met my girlfriend you know, when I gave into my vice or whatever it was, that's when I met my girlfriend, you know, and that changed the course of my life for the next four years. It's the reason I'm in school. That one time where I did the wrong thing, it changed the course of my life, you know, and I would say for the better. And it wasn't doing the right thing. It was doing the wrong thing, ostensibly. I mean, if you really want to get it Jedi, if you want to get Jedi level about it, I was actually, I'm not going to, well, I don't, I don't know. I don't think my girlfriend even listens to this podcast, but, um, let's just say not my girlfriend, but somebody in my life wanted to go to therapy. Definitely not my girlfriend though, but somebody in my life is thinking about going to therapy and they were talking with, uh, uh, and now I'm confused at how this is going to relate exactly, but, oh yeah, it's doing the wrong thing. Um, and they were very frustrated because they've been talking with someone that's been provided by their, um, by their, uh, mental or what, how do I say it? Um, their healthcare provider, someone in network, so to speak. And, um, they're basically talking on the phone every few weeks, you know, Therapy typically is you go once a week for an hour or 50 minutes, honestly, but you go once a week for an hour. Um, because this um, healthcare organization is overwhelmed and they have a horrible mental health department, you know, they'll see you, they'll, they'll have you talk on the phone for like 20 minutes, like twice a month. And what they really try to do is usher people into group therapy. People who do want regular therapy, hey, go to this group so we can knock out 25 of you in an hour instead of just giving everybody an hour with a therapist. You know what I mean? And every time this person, definitely not my girlfriend, but somebody in my life talks to this therapist or whatever, the person's very prescriptive. And the person's, you know, this person in my life, definitely not my girlfriend, but somebody in my life is telling them, you know, oh, I'm dealing with this and, you know, I'm feeling like stressed out about this and blah, blah, blah. The person says, it, it gives them prescriptive advice. So, well, you got to distract yourself. You got to do some deep breathing, et cetera, et cetera. And this person in my life, definitely not my girlfriend, but somebody in my life was saying that they resented this. 
you know, on the one hand, they knew that they wanted help. They were hoping that they would talk to a professional who would help them get better. But for some reason, in that moment, when they're getting the prescriptive advice, it makes them feel bad. And I was sort of exploring it with them, and I was thinking, you know, for me personally, when I first started therapy... I, well, first of all, when I hear about other people's experience with therapy and they say, oh, I, I tried therapy, it didn't work for me. And I say, like, well, how, how, long, how long did you go for? And they say, oh, I went, I went for like six or six. They, first of all, they can say one or two sessions or that six or eight. I just fucking laugh. You know, and it's not that they're stupid. It's just for someone who's been in therapy for like 10 years, I can tell you. You don't even know what the fuck's going on for the first year or two years. And believe me, when I, when I started going to therapy, I went at the right time and I feel like I was sprinting in the opposite direction. But it was like, I really had no true sense of what we were working through or what the process was supposed to be like until after like a year or two. And that was just the beginning. Do you know what I mean? Because so much of therapy, people are fucking confused because when you first go, you think that you're going to get fucking homework from your therapist, you know? And I've talked to other people and therapists are different and some people do have more, I don't know, assignments, so to speak. You know, I've never heard of anybody having like actual like therapy homework, but people will leave with sort of concrete ideas on what to work on for the week. Okay, that's not how my therapist operates. And I was saying, well, first of all, when people go to therapy, they're confused that they feel worse. Do you know what I mean? They're like, this is supposed to be helping. Why do I feel worse? Well, it's because you're talking about things that are uncomfortable. You know, you're in an environment where you're being forced to talk about things that you've actually been actively trying to avoid. You know, and now that you're dealing with them, it's fucking difficult. Um, secondly, a lot of times people are disappointed in, thera- in therapy or they say they stopped going because their therapist didn't do anything or they just listened. And I think there is this turning point in therapy, at least for me. And it was... You know, I never resented my therapist, but I was, you know, after like a year or two and you're still kind of struggling with the same shit, you do have moments where you ask your therapist, like, well, what are we doing here? And of course the therapist says, well, well, you know, what do you think we're doing? (laughs) You know, they always fucking like fucking volley the ball back into your court because that's really what it is. You have to figure it out for yourself, really. Um, there's, There's no one thing. Therapy is different for so many people, but there's this idea many people go into therapy or what's torturing them is they want to be better they want to be doing better than they are they want to be doing the thing that they've always wanted to do but can't bring themselves to do a lot of people go into therapy and live their life in general i think thinking if i could just get myself to do this i would be happy maybe it's losing weight maybe it's um uh quit drinking maybe it's you know, I just have to fix this personality quirk that I have. Uh, I need to stop sabotaging relationships or whatever it is. And people think if I can just surmount that, then my life will, will, you know, I'll get traction. I'll get going. And if that's your, if that's the standard of success that you go into therapy with, if your therapist is not like chipping away at that thing with you, you, you can feel kind of abandoned by them. But I think the plot twist of therapy is The therapist is not there to fix you. The therapist doesn't need you to be anything. You know, I would go into therapy all the time feeling bad, like I hadn't done my homework. You know, if I ran out of something to say, I was like, oh shit, I haven't been thinking about this hard enough. Or, um, you know, I only have an hour with this person. I really got to make the most of it. You know, and it became like performative. 
you know? I, I still think about it in terms of material. Like, I got to entertain my therapist or something. You know, I got to keep presenting, keep demonstrating to my therapist that I'm doing good work. You know, that I'm a good patient, that I'm a good client. And um, the plot twist of therapy is the work that's being done is you learning to tolerate being exactly where you're at and, it, and, and that being okay. I mean, whether it's on the crisis lines when I'm on them or even in therapy and from my personal experience, so much of what is difficult is we're living with complicated and hurtful emotions that we want to be over. I mean, the most concrete example I can think of is like a relationship. Um, people want to be, I mean, you hear it all the time. Oh, I should be over it by now. You know, I broke up with that person two years ago and I ended the relationship. I should be over it by now. Or yeah, my mom died, but it was five years ago and it's, you know, I, I should be past it by now. I mean, I remember when I was like in, I guess I was like my late, was I my mid twenties? I don't know. There was this girl that I liked and we went on like two dates and it didn't work out. And I was kind of fucked up about it. You know, it wasn't like the end of a relationship, but it really affected me for like six months. And I remember like every week going into therapy and like apologizing for saying, I, I'm embarrassed, but I still have, this is what I've been thinking about and talking about it. And I think it was, it was probably that incident that led me to believe like, or to, to begin to understand that, you know, you don't need to be in a different place for therapy. The work of therapy is you learning to tolerate even yourself exactly where you're at and having someone in your life, your therapist, who doesn't need you to be any better. You know, and kind of being on the other side of it, it's something I say to people when I speak to them on the crisis lines or whatever, you know, they'll want to be in a different place in their life or they think they have to do X, Y, and Z before they can meet someone or date. And the thing I try to reflect to people and get them to think about is, you know, I'm hearing that you want your life to be different. I'm hearing that this thing in your life or this personality trait or this action that you're doing, I'm hearing that you want to change that, you know, and I want to support you in doing that. At the same time, though, you know, you don't, you know, even if nothing about you changed for the rest of your life, if you never fixed that issue, if, 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 if you literally calcified in the state you are today and lived the rest of your life this way, you still deserve love. You still are qualified for a relationship. You still qualify for a career. You know, Hitler was married. You know, I think Hitler had kids too. Maybe he didn't, I don't know. But he had fucking pets. All I'm saying is, there are monsters who possess the things that many of us ostensibly want but feel like we don't qualify for. A, a partner. A career. A family. Do you know what I mean? And these are horrible people. I mean, to bring it back to music, you can do a lot of damage to your career or yourself, or even just, you can stand in your own way to the extent when you hold on to these value judgments of like, oh, I need to be a perfect person before I can play open mics. I need to be a perfect performer, or I need to be, you know, I can't be a successful musician because I have a drinking problem or whatever the fuck it is. Dude, do you know how many successful musicians are fucking active drug addicts? What, what makes you think that that's, that's what's standing in your way? Now, maybe it is in terms of your productivity, but all I'm saying is 
We live our lives thinking there's so many things about us that need to be fixed before we can do something. When the truth is, you know, a lot of times we're not that far away from what we want. You know, the only thing standing between us and what we want is just giving our our self permission to do it or to allow it into or to tolerate it even. Do you know what I mean? You know, when I was thinking about people who like sabotage themselves, you know, some people just can't tolerate intimacy. You know, just sitting with difficult emotions is difficult, you know? Anyway, I feel like I'm going off the rails here, but the point is, and how was I trying to bring this in? Something about therapy, needing to be in a different place. This person in my life, definitely not my girlfriend, but somebody in my life who is trying to connect with a therapist, needing to be in a, needing to be in a different place in your life. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, those are all good ideas. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to understand how we ended up here. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but there's something to that. That the plot twist of therapy is that they're not there to help you become this idealized version of yourself that you've always been trying to be. That the plot twist is you're actually kind of already there. I mean, I, dude, you know, we have these conversations and I think we're talking about new shit and, and I just, we're, I feel like we're having the same fucking conversation over and over again. Dude, by the way, this is therapy. You know, I talk, I come to these insights all the time in therapy that I think, oh, wow, oh, that's so consciousness raising. Wow. Wow. I can't believe, oh, wow. I'm so glad we've been talking through this so I could have this realization. And then I forget, oh, motherfucker, you were talking about this two years ago. Or I'll, like, I'll, I'll, I'll hear a song of mine that I wrote like five years ago that, I've ne- that I haven't listened to in forever. And I think, that's exactly what you were talking about. And you knew it. Like, this was an insight you had in therapy like fucking five years ago that you just fucking forgot. Do you know what I mean? Like, the record just go, the needle slips back into that fucking groove. And you fucking forget. It's like it was a dream. It's like it never happened. Anyway, so what I'm saying is, is you think you're far away. You're like Jennifer Connelly at the beginning of the labyrinth and you think, you know, you start heading down one way and the fucking worm says, oh, good thing she didn't go that way. She would have gone straight to the castle. You, you, like, you, you're, you're, you, you might be there. You know, wherever you want to be in your life is probably right at hand. You just need to give yourself permission to allow it, you know? I mean, I go back to this idea for, of drumming. You know, I've been telling you I've been playing these jazz drums. Even today... I was practicing. It was actually during my chemistry lecture. He was talking about some bullshit. And I said, ah, I'm just going to, you know, we're on these like um, Zoom conference lecture or whatever. I just fucking tuned out for like 10 minutes and just gave myself permission to like go over and like drum on my little practice pads or whatever. And as I was doing it, I was just reminded, like I was kind of pushing up against the metronome, trying to push the tempo a little faster than I'm comfortable with. And as I'm struggling with it, I realized, oh dude, just relax. And the more I relax the less I try, the more I just sort of trust my muscle and my feel and my whatever to steer and quit trying to do it and just let it happen, you're, 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 you could be right there. You know what I mean? I'm doing it all of a sudden. And not perfectly, but I'm saying, oh, I'm actually kind of here. You know, I just need to stop trying so hard. And anyway, I think I'm trying to say that life can be like that. You know, you think you're working your way back up to zero, that you have so many things about yourself that you need to fix before you qualify for whatever it is you want, when the truth is, you can have it now if you want. Anyway, something about uh, the plot twist of therapy, and um, I don't know, your therapist not needing you to be 
something or to fix things about yourself to qualify for therapy. There's, I don't know. I feel like there's some way that that would apply to what we were talking about earlier. And I just, I, I can't remember it. Oh man. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, hmm, well, I wonder if there's anything else to talk about. And, uh, I was just thinking like, oh, is there anything I'm watching that's interesting? But since school started back up, it's just fucking nothing. You know what I mean? I mean, I know we talked about Love is Blind, I guess, but my girlfriend, we were laying in bed with my girlfriend and, you know, we don't really have a show right now. So we're kind of like poking around trying to find something interesting. And uh, we started watching that show, The Good Place. And it's like, ah, it's not great. You know what I mean? You're just like, shows now are just so fucking weird. You know, like they're just kind of, I mean, I guess they've always kind of been bullshit for the most part excuse me, but these shows, you watch them and you go, oh, this, uh, you can tell it was made for television. Like, there's a palpable difference between, like, The Sopranos, which airs on HBO and doesn't need commercial breaks and just fucking runs for an hour, and then you see these shows and you go, oh, this must have been made for, like, primetime television, which I think The Good Place probably was. One, you can see in the editing, you go, oh, that's where they slotted in the commercial, and the funny part is, is, you know, someone will say something like, oh my god, um, my fucking, I don't know, my boyfriend, he's my brother. And then they like have a fade out where the commercial is supposed to be and then they come back and the, the they always like feed the line back in so that people just tuning in know exactly what they like reset. And so they'll say, oh my God, you're my brother. And then they'll come back from the quote commercial fade and they'll go, wait, you're my brother? You know? I don't know. Me and my girlfriend used to laugh about that all the time with, uh, I think, How I Met Your Mother. But, uh, so The Good Place was garbage that everybody was evangelical about. And then the other one, she had a friend who recommended the show Shit's Creek, which was fucking dumb. You know? I started watching, I said, this is such a dumb concept. This is such a showy show. Like, how did they pitch this fucking television show? Okay, they're a wealthy family, and then they lose everything, and they have to return to this town that the dad bought. It's like, what the fuck? This is not a show. Whether it's Arrested Development, which is a good show, but Arrested Development or Modern Family, like everything is these like quirky family dramas. Do you know what I mean? And they always have this sort of, it's not stunt casting, but they have these character actors that you recognize from the past and they kind of bring them back in like the parental roles. And then they always have like these new starlets and matinee idols who play like the children and it's like hijinks ensues and everybody's these fucking like cartoon characters and you just think, I don't know, it's not good. I'm confused by people in our lives who I'm close with who say, oh, you gotta watch that show, it's so good. And I watch it, and I think, this is dumb. This is a dumb show for dumb people. My friend's not dumb. Why do they like this? Although, of course, as I'm saying that, I'm saying, this is the guy who t- spent two episodes talking about Love is Blind on Netflix. The fucking reality dating show Love is Blind on Netflix that your boy talked about for two episodes. Who the fuck am I to be talking about? And you know, dude, you know what I'm starting watching? Pro- because Tom Segura, the comedian, has been talking about it? 90 Day Fiance. Which is a show about dumb dudes who get uh, women who are out of their league from other countries to come to the United States on, a, I think they call it like a K-1 visa, which is you have 90 days to get married. And these dum-dums are clearly being used for their citizenship, and they fucking think they're trying to make it work. Do you know what I mean? This is the kind of dumb television that your boy is interested in, and who am I to stand in judgment of shit's creek? God damn, dude. Why do you even listen to this podcast? What the fuck do I have to say about anything? Oh, man. <clears throat> so, anyway, you guys got to recommend shows to me, man. I need something new. 
Um, I'm trying to think if I've watched any movies. I don't know. Parasites on Hulu. That's pretty cool. I rewatched that the other night. It's a fucking great movie. I was talking to my buddy Matt about it. What up, Matt? MVP 2019. Um, yeah, he was asking me if I was super stoked that Parasite won, and um, I forget what I said. Who the fuck cares? Don't even matter. Doesn't even fucking matter, guys and gals and non-binary listeners. <clears throat> anyway, you know, I don't know, man. I'm seeing we normally, you know, I was saying every like once you reach a certain bench- benchmark in episode length, you just try to fucking keep at that, you know. And I feel like we, I don't know, for the last, damn, I don't know, maybe dozen episodes or so, I normally orbit like an hour six. And so I'm thinking, well, you got five more minutes here. Maybe you can just keep talking or maybe we can just fucking cut it there. Maybe I just need to give myself permission to uh, to just do some self-care and make it a short episode. And I don't know. As I'm saying that, though, I, in the past, I've sort of harped on advertisements that I fucking laugh at. They just say, at so-and-so, we believe. The ones that are fucking fucking kill me now are all the fucking COVID-19 advertisements. Like, I see this one on YouTube all the time now from Las Vegas. And there are all these, like, and Ikea and all these fucking brands that are like, you know, now is a strange time. But when you're ready, we'll be waiting. And I keep getting all these fucking emails from companies I don't give a fuck about letting me know what they're doing about COVID-19. Like Etsy. Etsy, I don't give a fuck what you're doing. No, we're implementing this, and we're doing this. It's like, no one gives a fuck. No one cares what you're doing. This is the, it, it feels so tone deaf. Like, nobody's cared less about Ikea now, and I just see these, like, I don't know why they're targeting me, but it's like, Jesus, everybody has these super precious, like, we're all in this together, and we're here to help, and it's like, oh, Jesus Christ, people. You're a target market. Don't you see that? Anyone who looks at that and goes, oh, wow, that really speaks to my values, you're dumb. Okay, and I'm not saying your heart's in the wrong place. I'm just saying you're dumb. You're the type of people that politicians just lick their fucking chops over. They just say the right things and you just go, oh, 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 like a seal. You just start clapping. Anyway, the point is, is I'm smart. Everyone else is dumb and I got the world figured out. And when's everybody else going to catch up? You know what I'm saying? But anyway, all right, let's end it there, guys. <laughs> this is my world. I'm your evil uh, evil overlord, and uh, you are my minions. So thanks for listening to the podcast. Um, thanks for tuning in and letting me brainwash you. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure what the date is, but one day we'll all get together and just fucking drink the Kool-Aid. So until that time, thanks for tuning in. Um, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and you can connect with the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at ThisIsMPod. Um, haven't posted shit in the last couple of weeks. I've literally just been recording these and putting them up, not promoting them, um, not even segmenting them and putting the clips on YouTube or anything. Um, I just haven't had the energy, you know? Um, but I try to remind myself that, hey, all I'm doing is recording the podcast. That's all I need to do. Record it and put it up. Anything I do above and beyond that is just icing on the cake. So thank you for listening. Um, again, if you want to help us grow the podcast, think of somebody in your life you think would enjoy the podcast and share it with them. Let's grow this goddamn thing. And, uh, wow, my music's playing me off. Um, yes, and, and, uh, uh, give us a good rate and review. Give us five stars. Find us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you listen where you can rate the show. Give us five stars and, um, write a couple sentences about why you like it. 
And um, and that's it. That's all you have to do. Otherwise, just keep listening. So uh, thanks for letting me uh, babble at you guys for an hour this week. Um, and I look forward to doing it again soon. Thank you for your time. And ciao for now.